Okay, Hosea chapter 13. So let's read that. And uh, we'll get going and see what we can dig out. It says, When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. Now, is that a shock to anybody? We pretty well see that, don't we? And now they sin more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and idols according to their own understanding, all of it the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Okay? Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor, and as the smoke out of the chimney, yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no other God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. So we're going to stop right there and then back up. So, again, the book of Hosea is basically a doom and gloom book on Israel with a little with a theme basically that they will get restored. And yet, it's like 99% judgment and destruction, and then 1%, and God's going to restore them. And you see that kind of all the way through the book. Okay, So, uh, on your handout, we have Ephraim's evil ways. So, once Israel, let me, and I'm, for those of you that were here last week, it's going to be a little redundant here at the beginning, but if you're like me, you, kind of, you watch TV shows, and it's like, yeah, I saw that show, but... I don't remember what happened on it, so I'll watch it again. <laughs> it used to be, and like, I'm not watching that show because I remember it. Now it's like, no, i got to watch it again. If you're like me, you're kind of like that. So Ephraim's evil way. So today it's going to be like that too. Once Israel obeyed God, they feared God. And we looked at those verses. They obeyed God, and they had God's word of protection. That's what is so wild about this. You know... If you have somebody to come to you and says, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and if you do that, then I will do this. When you have that, when you have something saying, you know, just doing something for somebody, and you get nothing out of it, you know, I can see people just kind of letting that slide after a while. But when you get something from that, it's kind of like going to work. How many of you would go to work if you didn't get that paycheck. That would be a volunteer job. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be going to work very long, right? Unless you just love to work for nothing. I mean, because you're going there because you're getting something. And, and God says, if you obey me, if you fear me, then I will protect you. And he, he told Joshua, he goes, there won't be a man able to stand against you. Now, how would you like, God says, okay, Mark, You'll be able to fight it. You'll be able to, nobody will be able to just stand in your way. You'll, you'll be able to mow everybody down. But you've got to obey me. And then after a while, you go, it's all me. <laughs> I don't need God anymore. And that's kind of what Hosea, the people in Hosea, uh, are doing in the northern kingdom. They, had, they forgot who God was. They, they, they made it to the top, and they were in the land, they were prosperous, they were doing everything that's right, and then they just flat forgot God. And when they did... God just starts pulling his protection back from them. And then they're going to find out here real quick. B says, now they serve Baal. And we've seen that. We saw that in Hosea 11, 1 to 2. We saw that back in Judges. We didn't have to go all the way to Hosea to see this. You know, they get it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Right. I'm trying to see my notes. Trying to look at your notes there? And this, if everything rises and falls on leadership, and if it's spiritually following the Lord, something or other. Right. So, that that leadership has to be following the Lord because they'll you know they'll take you right to the ditch. And I've seen that even even today, pastors. I, I watched a uh, or I listened to a podcast just a couple days ago of of a man that was talking about he was a missionary to Australia but and he's retired and he's come back to the States and he says a lot of the supporting churches that he had have left the KJV. Oh no. 
And he goes, it's sickening or saddening. I mean, and he goes, basically, he goes, you can go to uh, a website. And he was, he wasn't, I mean, he was uh, at one part, part of the GARBC group. And he says, you can go to that website, and if you're a pastor looking for a church, and then they have a questionnaire that you fill out, and it's like, well, do you prefer, what type of church do you prefer? And it was just, what kind of music do you want? What Bible version do you want? And just had a whole checklist, and you put that out, or that what you are, or you find a church that's looking for one, and that's the check. This is what we want. This is what, it's like a job prescription that, well, I want to go to that church because they're using this or they want this kind of music or, or they're doing this. And it's like, it's crazy. It's like, he goes, what is that? And so, and he goes, and what happens is a pastor will go to a church and he'll just say, okay, well, we're, I'm going to start using the NIV Bible. And he goes, they just all, they go, well, the pastor knows. The pastor is the guy that's in tune with God, and he's leading the church, so we got to do what he says. To an extent, I've done that, and guess what? It'll happen to you. You'll get burnt. You cannot follow a man unless he's following God. That's the key. So the leadership, everything does rise and fall in leadership, but it, has, it depends on if that person is following the Lord. And so... It, it's interesting how people will just switch on a drop of you know the drop of a dime they'll switch. Israel was the same way. Remember when Jeroboam became the king, he thought to himself, and he's the king of the ten northern tribes. He says, "Hey, you know what? These people they'll go back to Israel. They'll go back to Jerusalem during the the feasts." And worship, and before long, they'll forget. They'll come up here and they'll kill me and take the kingdom. So I got to stop that. So what did he do? I'm trying to remember if you guys remember my past history. Okay, Carrie, what what did he do? So he made two golden calves and put them up and said, "I want you guys to worship these," and they did. Can you imagine that? I mean, they should have taken, the people should have taken Jeroboam out and stoned him. And they just, but they said, oh, he's the, he's the king. We're just going, we have to follow him. So again, everything does rise and fall on leadership. So once they obeyed Israel, now they're serving Baal. And then we have two examples here, Solomon and Jeroboam, both of them. Solomon obeyed God at first, right? And then he disobeyed God. He got all those wives. First mistake, all those concubines, second mistake. I mean, he did a lot of mistakes, and then he started serving their gods. They turned his heart. Another thing that you mentioned was that word but in there can either mean good or bad. Okay. You see the word but in a sentence. But. But. <laughs> like you said, Solomon obeyed God at first, but. Okay. It's either a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry, I just had a little... You're reading me your notes. Okay, that's good. So, um, and I'm kind of going quickly through this, and we'll we'll try to get into it here in a minute. Their sins continued to get worse and worse. Their idols became, and what goes in your blank is business. Because we see the word craftsman show up here. Chapter 13 of Hosea... Verse 2 says, and now they sin more and more. And it's just like that. You tell a lie, and before long you've got to tell another lie to cover the first lie up. And before long you got a whole list of lies. Ever, anybody ever done that? I have. Business? It becomes a business. Okay, because I had resources. No, it's a business. Okay, thanks. And it says, and now they sin more and more, and they have made them molten images of their silver and idols according to their own understanding, and all of it the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, kiss, or let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Okay, so their idols become a business for the craftsmen and a source of money. Like they have to kiss the Pope's hand. Right, that's our next blank there. So, I don't worry about coughs and sneezes as long as I've got my plastic Jesus. (laughs) He sits on the dash, you know, his little Mm -hmm. bottle head. (laughs) Okay. Okay, we got to talk after this. Is he serious? 
<laughs> I know you're laughing. Is that what you're doing? Oh, okay. I was going to go check your car. I didn't know. <laughs> I know where you park. <laughs> okay. So turn over to Acts chapter 19. I like, I mean, it's fun. We just have fun in the class. Acts chapter 19, and let's read verses 24 through 25. And remember, this was in Paul's day. I wait till everybody gets there. It says, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which had made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain into the, what's the next word? Craftsmen. Whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation. And he said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. They were getting wealth off those little bobbleheads or whatever they're putting on there. And those guys are making money too. And it says, and moreover you see in here, but not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that there be no gods which were made with hands. Because see, he's making a god that, that man makes. So that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, Okay, so number one, he says, our, our, our craft is at peril here, okay? It's, it's endangered. But also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world really worshipeth. He's worried about his wealth first, and then he's worried about the reputation of Diana second. Did you catch that? The craftsman's worried about his income. Don't want to be laid off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, he doesn't. And so, you know, they're making these these silver idols. These craftsmen are doing that. Same thing back in Hosea when they made those. You think those two golden calves were the only ones they made? Probably not. They probably had little little statues of golden bulls in their dash on their car too, or on their cart or wherever they put them at. Yeah. You take them home, put them, put them wherever, put one around your necklace, I mean on a necklace. I'm sure they were making a business, somebody was making money out of this. So follow, you know, whether they always say, follow the money, you'll find out who's behind it, follow the money. And so they made a business out of this. But now turn over to Revelation chapter 18. So we saw Old Testament, we saw some New Testament, and we're going to see some tribulation right here. And I think for I think I have a little time, so I'm going to just read this whole chapter. So just bear with me. Chapter 18 of Revelation says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having a great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon... The greatest fallen is fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven seen, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached into heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works, and the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself, she lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I will. I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in her one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep 
and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. It's a business. The merchandise of gold and of silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beast and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. And you're like, well, that can't be happening today. Are people being sold today? Yep. I think they are. Especially children. Yes. And the fruits that the soul lusteth after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, that thou shalt find them no more at all. And the merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off, for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is likened to this great city? Okay, so I'm going to... Now let's keep reading. And they cast dust on their heads, and they cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships and in the sea by reason of their costliness. For in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles. And I lost my spot. Verse 20. And prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. So, well, let's keep reading. And a mighty angel took up a stone and like a great millstone and cast into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and the musicians of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more in all of thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of the millstone shall be heard no more in all thee, and the light of the candles shall shine no more in all, the, in all of thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more in all of thee. For thy merchants that were the great men of the earth, for by the, thy sorceries were all nations deceived, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all that were slain upon the earth. All right, so that was a long chapter. A lot of that, that is taking place during the tribulation. The point I'm wanting to make is the merchants and the amount of money that's made. It's a business. Mm-hmm. When, I noticed that it said several times in one hour. Yeah, so this is the city they lost all money. Babylon in, in the, in the new ta- in, uh, during the tribulation time will be destroyed. And so the point is, when you have idol worship, you have business and you have money changing hands. Whether it's Old Testament today or in the tribulation. That's a sign that you'll see that goes along with it. You'll see idols, you'll see craftsmen, you'll see money, and you'll see merchants. It's a business. They've made it into a business. Do you ever go to a church where they made the church into a business? Hopefully we don't, but I mean, there are churches that are a business. They run it like a business. Years ago, we took a vacation to New Mexico, and we went into a famous Catholic church there that had been there for 200 years to look at a staircase that was miraculously built by some craftsman. The funny thing was that you go in, you see this, and I don't know, you paid, you had to pay to go in and see it. And then, to get out, you had to walk through the gift shop. <laughs> there is no exit <laughs> except through the gift shop. So I bought me, I bought, I, I've... Is that where you bought your little bobblehead? I was teaching Sunday school at the time, so I picked me up some of these little cards that had different Catholic saints on them. So I could teach mm-hmm. the kids the warriors class mm-hmm. with them, show them what they were up to. Interesting. It's it's there if you just look for it. Now, 
Now next week, what's what's taking place right after church here? Chili. A chili cook-off. All right, so some of you caught that. How many of you are going to bring chili? If you don't bring chili, bring some crackers, bring some sour cream, bring 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 an appetite, bring something. But okay, so we're not going to charge you for this chili cook-off. Now start looking around, and I'm, I'm going to pick on the Catholic Church for a little bit here. Catherine, are you okay? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I saw last year, I think this was the first time I saw this, at a Catholic church by my house. They're having fish fry because it's Lent. And come to their fish fry. Everyone's welcome. And they got two or three signs going down the list. And the, la- and the, la- and the second to last sign was how much it was. And the very last sign says, we take credit cards. <laughs> it's a business. Take credit cards or... No, but have the fish fries. Yes. I even know Baptist churches that have fish fries. But as far as I know, they wasn't charged it. And, I, and one, of the ch- one of the churches that I was filling in for, they had, they had, we, we, we went to a fish fry and it was about the same time and it drew, it drew everybody in. I mean, it, I think the whole county came to this fish fry. But, and, but then they were supposed to have a fish fry and then a message and everything after it. Well, everybody left and didn't even stay for the message. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is a little strange. The Catholics are having their fish fry, and the Baptists are having their fish fry, and both of them are just a tradition. And, and I'm like, oh, anyway. The only fish fry I've ever been to was out at um, somebody's house. They used to go here, and they had a fish fry for um, a get-together Lauren and pray before she left to go to, um, maybe it was for all of them. Before they to India? To go to the, mm-hmm, with Dan and... Dan and Ellen. No. No, it wasn't them. Don. Uh, oh well. She's a pharmacist. Okay. Monica. No. I don't know who it is. We'll think about it. Okay. So, it's a business. What I wanted to par- point out is, it was a business back then. It's always connected with money. It's connected with a business. And this guy in, in Acts, he, Demetrius guy, he was more worried about his money income than anything else. Okay, So their sins get worse and worse. Their idols become a business. Craftsmen are in it. And then point two says they are to kiss the calves. So back in Hosea, now they've got to go up and kiss the calves. Last week I asked, where do you think they supposed that they kiss these calves at? <laughs> okay, I'm going to get kicked out for that. But, um, <laughs> you cannot make this up. Okay, they are to kiss the calves. Okay, so that was basically, and kneel down and kiss the calf. It was to submit themselves to this stupid idol. Okay. Now, they will do the same, they, well, right now they do the same thing to the Pope. Watch. Our own presidents go in and do that, which is like, what is wrong with you? And number two, they will do that to the Antichrist when he's here. It's setting it off. And I guarantee you, the craftsmen during the tribulation are going to be very busy doing some kind of idols that mimic what this Antichrist or his idol or his image looks like, and it'll be everybody will have their own little antichrist image that they'll have. Of course, you'll have to pay for it, but because it's a business, okay? It's a demise going downhill, and they make money out of you even doing that. They're, they're on their. It's really sad because you're basically they're sending you to hell, and they're charging you for it. That's where it comes down to it. Love of money is the root of all the evil. The love, the love of money. It's the root of all evil. You know, some Bibles say all sorts of evil. Mm-hmm. King James is the only one that says all. They don't say love of money. They don't say the love of money. They say something else. Do they? But it, my Bible says all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. So Ephraim's time is limited. So let's go back to uh, verse 3. It says, Therefore they shall be as... No, we just talked about a similitude. 
in chapter 12. And here we have it. God uses things to describe something else. So if I asked you what frog legs taste like, what are you going to tell me? Okay. They taste like chicken. So that's a similitude. And God uses that all the time. And you go, well, show me. Well, okay, look at verse 3. Therefore they, these people that are worshiping these idols, shall be as the morning cloud. How many of you have ever sat outside or looked at the clouds and go, they're, they're beautiful, or, hey, that, that cloud right up there, that, that looks like a ship. How long does it look like a ship? Not long. No. A couple seconds, or it looks like a person, or it looks like something. You guys have all done that? Okay. And here, here one a minute and gone the next. I mean, if you've got to go get a camera to take a picture of it, it's not there, right? Probably it's not even there if you got one in your hand. It just isn't going to look the same. So therefore, these people, they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away. Now, a lot of times I don't pay a lot of attention of the dew, but unless you're out working on the farm or out mowing the grass or something like that, then you'll notice the dew because you'll want to wait just a little bit to mow the yard or your, your tennis shoes will be soaking wet time you get done. And I don't know if you're like mine. My tennis shoes look green and I don't want them wet. They just, I don't like my feet wet. Anybody here like your feet wet? Not with dew. In the wintertime, we see the frost. How long does the frost last? Not very long, right? Till the sun rises. Till the sun rises. Same way with the dew. After the sun gets up a little bit, it burns it off. So it's going to be very short-lived. So these People are like the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away, and as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor. So the chaff, in um, anybody in here, farmer? Yeah. Okay. It's like we used to have to clean fescue every summer, and all the chaff was terrible. You know, what you what is not good is all over you. Uh. Okay. And so... I've heard what they would do after they brought the weed or whatever in. They'd have it on a on, on a flat platform, and they'd just take a shovel or something, and throw it up in the wind, and that that hole, the the outside of the hole, even the the chaff, would blow with the wind. And that's how they would get rid of it. And so, but here it says it's driven by what though? Not just the wind. The whirlwind, and a whirlwind, again, is another type or another picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. When He comes, He will be as a whirlwind. Kind of interesting. Out of the floor. And as smoke out of the chimney. Okay, how long does that last? It's here and it's gone, right? That smoke comes out of the chimney and uh, it's gone. So there are, there are several things. As the morning cloud, as the early dew... And ask the chaff. So let's look at the morning cloud. I have a reference for that. Um, let's look at Second Peter two seventeen. Somebody want to read that for me? These are these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Wow. So some pretty strong words there. And yet second Peter is listing a group of people that that are going to be destroyed in fact let's back up in the same chapter to verse 13 and it says and they shall and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls, and a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, 
which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, and loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. Okay. So in this passage, it's talking about people that's going to be destroyed. It's talking about um, they're going to be as clouds. Let me read that again. And, and particularly clouds without water. Wells, it says, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. It's not a good thing. Okay, yeah, because the cloud without water, we think of, oh, it's just a worthless cloud, because we want the cloud to bring water to us. Right. And so, again, comparing Scripture with Scripture, we're seeing other places in the Bible that talk about it's not good to be compared to a cloud, especially one without water. Turn over to Jude chapter 12. Verse 12. Yes, verse 12. i got to read my own... You can find chapter 12, show me that, but I don't have that. Talking about some people too. Um... Back, in fact, it's back up to verse 11. It says, Woe unto them, for they, these people, have gone in the way of Cain, and they've ran greedily after the heir of Balaam, we saw that earlier, for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about with winds, Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. We're talking about people basically in the church with false doctrine. People that are worshiping somebody other than Jesus Christ. And that's comparing them to clouds without water. Here one minute, gone the next. Okay. It says, and see, we have a, uh, reference for that also back in Daniel 2. So let's look at that. They shall be as the chaff that is driven in the whirlwind. And so let's look at Daniel chapter 2. And then 31 through 35. I'm going to have somebody read that too if they would please. Chapter 2, studying 31 through 35. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of the fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them into pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and made like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Okay, thank you. And so, again, linking those people in Hosea with the people here in Daniel, which is talking about the tribulation time, talking about um, the colossal man, that he's going to be destroyed. And he will be like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. So the idols, the people that are worshiping the idols, the Antichrist, Satan himself, all of them are going to be destroyed. Their time will be limited. So we're, we're, liking, we're linking the people in Hosea 
with these other people because they're they're worshiping Satan basically, and so they're all going to be in the same boat, the same the same house basically. So they shall be as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind, and so there's some references not only then but also even to our time period and also to the tribulation period. But again, back in the book of Hosea, when just comparing Scripture with Scripture, running the references, we'll see that that God will restore at some point, but He's going to judge first. Okay, And so, uh, the last line on uh, page 1 says, Ephesians 4.14, Ephraim has put their trust in the wrong God. So, small G-O-D goes in that blank. So I'll have somebody read Ephesians 4.14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every land of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Okay. So, just like the people in Hosea that was following false idols, we can get, if we follow false doctrine in the church age, we'll be following the same path they are. And we got to put our trust in the right God. we got to, we got to put it in Jesus Christ, and we got to put it in His Word, and not in... False doctrine, because false doctrine is the same as just basically worshiping an idol, and it comes right down to it. When, and we don't think of it that way. I mean, when we have people that that are in churches that are following false doctrine, that their false doctrine in certain churches will send you straight to hell because their doctrine may not match up with the gospel. Paul talks about another gospel. If they're preaching another gospel, the Bible says they're accursed. Why? Because they're sending people to hell because they're going to church and doing everything that's right. Steve Fleshman next door will tell you he went to church. He thought he was sa- he thought he was doing right until he got saved. Then he goes back to his home church and preaches and they kicked him out. Cause he, you know why? Because he taught the right gospel and they didn't want to hear it. So, yeah, you can talk to him about that story. So page two, and I got to move on a little bit. Ephraim has yet has access yet to the right and only true God, because verse back in Hosea, out of all the the things that God says, He goes, "You died in Baal, you're, you're worshiping idols, and therefore you're going to be like the morning cloud." He's giving him similitudes of this is what you're like, and then verse four He says, "Yet." I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. And you're reading this, and you're like, no, wait a minute, where'd that pop up from? Because it's just like total destruction. You guys are on the way down. And then he goes, yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. Thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no... What's the next word? Savior. Savior. Wait a minute, we're Old Testament here. Where'd Savior come from? And I want you to look at this. This is so Ephraim has access to the right and only true God, and then A says, Yet goes in your blank. Yet I am the Lord. B says, Thou shalt know no God but me. And I'm just going to give you some blanks. There is no savior besides me. So let me just go on and give you some more. It says the person speaking in this chapter from verse four. Forward is who? It's got to be God. So you can say, yeah, Jesus is God. So that'll work. It's the Lord. The Lord is speaking from verse 4. He says, yet I am the Lord, thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. So, Lord goes in that next blank after chapter 4. 
says, this chapter from verse 4 forward is the Lord, it's God, it's Jesus. The, the next blank is the Jehovah. He is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Since the Lord Jehovah is the Savior here, this is a reference, a reference to show us that the Lord goes in your blank at the bottom. Uh, next blank, the Lord and Jehovah, second blank, and Christ are one. Okay? So again, in the middle of Hosea, we have this, we've seen before where the Trinity pops out in, in Hosea. Here we see it again. He says, yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. Who was that? It was Jehovah. It was the Old Testament, Jehovah. And it's also uh, uh, who, brought, who brought the people into uh, the promised land with Joshua? The captain of the host. Who's the captain of the host? It's Christ. You can't separate God. You cannot separate God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are, they have always been. They're here now. They always will be. And here's a reference to it in the book of Hosea. Yet I am the Lord thy God that brought thee from the land of Egypt. That's Jehovah. And thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior which links him right to Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the Savior. Turn over to Matthew chapter one. And verses 21 through 23. Okay. Now, I know you guys b believe that, right? Anybody in here do not believe that Jesus is the Savior? Okay. But um, again, you're from Missouri, you guys, right? We live in Missouri. I mean, we're in Missouri now. So let's put it that way. <laughs> you got to be sure. Okay. And I have to show you guys, okay? 21 of Matthew chapter 1 says... And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For ye shall save his people from their sins. Verse 22. Now this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so they call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. He is the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And yet we saw Old Testament. He's linked with Jehovah. Okay? I just think that's awesome. I don't know if you guys do. Nobody's, everybody's kind of somber in here. I'm probably putting you to sleep. But in the book of Hosea, we've got, he's talking about that he, there is no Savior beside him, besides me, is what it says in the text. Okay, and then um, let's just move on because I'm running out of time. Point, point four, Ephraim's judgment for forgetting God. Therefore the Lord, the Lord goes in your blank. Therefore the Lord, I shall be unto them and your next blank is as, A-S, as a lion. Now, the, again, he, now he goes back to using his similitude again. Okay? So let's go back and read this, because I'm thinking I'm getting ahead of myself. Hosea chapter 13, verse 5, says, I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. According to their pasture, so were they filled. They were filled, and their heart was exalted. Therefore have they forgotten me. Verse 7, Therefore I will be unto them as a lion, as a leopard, by the way will I observe them. I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps, and I will rend the call of their heart, and there will I devour them like a lion, and the wild beast shall tear them. Okay, again, it's interesting how these animals all represent nations, and we're seeing them pop up again right now. Okay, therefore the Lord shall be unto them as a lion, as a leopard, and as a bear, 
and the wild beast goes on uh, D on your handout. It's beast goes in that blank. The wild beast shall what? Shall tear them. He will violently rip them apart. And if you're taking notes, you can write Malachi 1.13. Now, all of these animals represent nations that God will use to judge Israel. And it says in your notes, in the future, but also in the future according to them, and now we're talking, this is before Christ in Hosea. So he's giving them a list of the nations that's going to uh, judge them, but they will also resurface again right before the second coming of Christ during the tribulation in Daniel chapter 7 and Revelations 13.1. So in this group we have, and I'll just list out a few and you can write them down, the Assyrians were the first to come in and destroy, take away the northern kingdom. Then you have the Babylonians. Then you have the Persians. You have the Greeks. And then you have the Romans. So let's, and then I know and, and go back to Daniel and look at some of these people and some of these nations and you, you're going to have a, a bear. What, what was the people or the groups? A lion, a leopard, a bear. Okay, now there's some uh, probably disagreement between people of exactly what nation's which and I think some of them double up on others. Because I know uh, uh, the Persians... And the Babylonians, lions were big in both of their, their country uh, and, and symbols. The Greeks and the Romans, and you've got, you've got a bear in there. Bear also represents Russia at one point, uh, but also I think represents the Persians, so there's some overlap in some of these. But the one I want to really point out is this wild beast that shall tear them. Now, who do you think that represents? I heard it. Somebody said it. The Antichrist. He's going to be a wild beast and he is going to do what to them? He's going to tear them like a wild beast. Okay. And so you have in your notes Daniel 7 and Revelation 13.1. Okay. So right now there's a lot of things in the news which most of it is probably all lies, but you do have Russia, you do have Israel in the news, and you got China in the news, you got the United Nations in the news, and it's like, this is a crazy time that we're living in. We've got some of the players right here. I just, I don't think anybody's got it all put together yet, but we know the Antichrist is coming soon, and he's going to devour them. He's going to devour the people here. So we'll, we'll maybe touch on this just a little bit next week as, before we get into chapter four or the rest of chapter 13. Any questions? I was just going to, it's like what you said, Russia and China and the United Nations. Is that like um, three of the ten nations? That's a good question. You may want to come on Wednesday nights to okay. see what Brian says on that. Yeah. So there's a lot of things. I once. Once I get a handle on one thing, it seems like, no, I don't. So things are swirling right now. So that's one thing we really need to ask God for is discernment. We need to ask God for discernment to know what is truth. And everything needs to go through this because our government's not telling us the truth. The news is not giving us the truth. Even Even the people that give us the truth are probably wrong most of the time. Even though I have a handout up there and there's not a lot of people communicating on live stream once he starts... It's still hard for me to uh, concentrate, absorb, whatever. I wish I was right down there. <laughs> okay. But well, so I, I go back and I watch it again. Because you then I can sit there at my computer and I can just. Right. Well, thank you for doing that because we need people up there, you know, doing that so everybody else can can learn and study. I've had trouble a lot lately, but um, hopefully, come next month, we'll get decent internet service and. Don't count on it, but you can always hope. He doesn't want it out there. So you You're right. You know, that's, 
That's what I keep saying. Whenever I have trouble getting on, I say, Satan, you're not going to okay. win, so just leave right now. Right. Okay. So, you know, here's what we have to... It's so hard for us Christians and Bible-believing Christians to, to just really contemplate is this world is, is ran by Satan right now. And he is doing everything he can. And he will do everything he can to destroy man. And we have to remember that. And, and I know the Lord probably has a bubble around us and he protects us and he takes care of us and he always will. But the world we live in it's basically getting more and more demonic and evil. And, you know, we think everybody should be good and everybody may be like us and we want to treat people. Well, yes, we need to treat people that way. We need to give them the gospel. But we also need to realize we're fighting an enemy that wants to kill us. And when we need to realize that's, that the world is against us, our flesh is against us, the devil is against us, the government is against us, and we've really got to rely upon God's Word for discernment. And, and we really need to be praying for our pastors because, because they need discernment. And so, because we are living in the last times, so we, we need to... That's why I like this statement I put up here, and I still like it. I, I want to be faithful in obeying God's Word, and I want to be obedient and fulfilling His plan for my life, because if I'm not doing the second part, then what am I doing? Okay, so we got to obey God's word. We got to keep His commandments. John fourteen fifteen. If you love, you know, if you love God, keep His commandments. But then we got to be obedient in doing something, not for our salvation, but because we're saved. And so we need to be obedient in being the person that God wants us to be. Because when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, and God goes, well, you know, I had this, this, and this lined out for you, and you are too worried about this or doing this. We need to be about God's business, and we need to be about getting the gospel out, and we need to be about serving, you know, serving Christ, and realize that it's all going to be over pretty quick. And then once, 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 and we keep thinking, well, this is it. No, no, no. This is just when, once we get to heaven, it's just the beginning. All we're doing is the test right now. We're in a test, and God's, you know, kind of running us through the test to see if we're going to be obedient to Him or not. And so we need to be obedient. So let's pray and we'll get on. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We just pray that you'd give everyone in here discernment. Help us to be the person you want us to be. And Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the protection that you give us. And we just ask a, a, a good week for everyone that's here. And help us to be a true representative for you. In Christ's name, amen.